What to do about your one-sided friendship. Today on The Shalene Show. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I recently did an episode here on The Shalene Show entitled How to Cultivate Important Friendships. It's episode number 266. And if that's something that's important to you, go back and listen to that episode after you listen to this one. And that episode, the one about cultivating important friendships, sparked a lot of questions and even concerns from my audience. Many of you asked, what do you do? How do you handle it when your relationship feels as though it's become one-sided or really unbalanced? I got this message so many times over the course of the last couple of weeks that I knew it was something we needed to explore further. So let's go there. First thing I have to tell you is I don't believe there is such thing as a one-sided relationship. There's two sides to every relationship. Now, you might have your own interpretation of how things are going, but so too does that other person. Step one is to recognize that framing a relationship as one-sided is detrimental. It's not going to help you understand what's going on, and it doesn't serve either of you. All it does is create resentment on your part, whether that one-sided, quote, one-sided relationship is with your partner or a friend. Nothing is one-sided. Nothing, especially when it comes to human relationships. There's always multiple sides. I think a better way to frame it would be to maybe consider it unbalanced. That might be the case. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been angry with someone and then you get together with another friend and you kind of tell them about what happened and in your version of it, well, you know, you paint the picture so it's like, yeah, this other person is the horrible, evil monster, the villain in this story and you leave out certain details which might bode well in their defense and it's just what we do. That's human nature, but it's not helpful. And it's also not helpful if the person who you're sharing the story with only sides with you and and just makes you feel better or, you know, righteous in your assessment of this other person being this evil monster. It's just not helpful. So in that, my mission with, you know, The Shalene Show is to be helpful. I don't think it's helpful for me to say, okay, if this, 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 and this are happening, you have yourself an unbalanced friendship and you should walk away. What I want to do And I think you're going to be cool with this because I think it's going to help us grow. And I say us because I deal with this too. All of us do. There's no relationship ever that's like equally 50%, 50%. That just, it doesn't exist. That's a utopian. So what I want to do today is share with you some of the things, some of the behaviors that make us feel resentful or angry or feel as though we're carrying more of the load. And better than that, because that would just be like misery loves company. Better than that, I'm also going to give you what might be happening or the other side of the story. Because remember, relationships have at least two sides. I find this to be especially true when we're talking about romantic relationships, especially in marriage or people who have been together as partners for many, many years. We tend to only see what we're doing and diminish the role our partner plays or the things that our partner does. So before we get into this, we're talking about friendships today. I'm just asking you to have an open mind and an open heart 
I'm suggesting that there might be some things this other person is doing that you're conveniently forgetting, or you're placing so much emphasis on what you do that you've missed maybe their perspective or what things feel like from their side, or maybe some of the things that they do offer. They might not be the same things you're doing or the same things you offer to the friendship. I'm just asking you to consider before we even get started that we each have our own role when it comes to relationships, and we often define these ourselves, and then we're angry that we're suddenly the person who always makes the plans, yet we're the person who started the relationship off that way by always making the plans. Okay, I'm just saying we're all better served by having an open mind and a little empathy and being able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Let's start with that one. The number one reason why most people feel like a friendship is one-sided or unbalanced is often because you are the person who makes all the plans. You're the person who initiates the plans. You're the person who says, hey, we should get together. And then you actually follow through. And this other person, you know, they enjoy themselves. We have a great time, but they're never initiating those plans. And then you see they've initiated plans with somebody else, and that really hurts because you feel like, well, gosh, you could have invited me. I see that you went to dinner with this other couple. How come you didn't ask us out to dinner? Why are we always the ones asking you guys out to dinner? Or you see your friend is spending the afternoon with another friend, and you, you know that she made those plans. So why is she not initiating with you? Why doesn't she take on that responsibility? Why aren't you important enough? That's what it feels like. So there could be another side to this. Number one, and probably most likely the case, is that, and you'll hear me say this repeatedly, we teach people how to treat us. You're the planner. You are the initiator. You are the person who probably takes on this role in most all of your relationships. That's likely the case. People know that you're really good at this. And because you're really good at this, people wait for you to do it. It's no different from when I worked in an office. I used to work for AAA Insurance. Yes, I did. This is back in high school. And I remember there was one gal, can't think of her name right now, but she was the party planner. I also think this was an episode of The Office. And the reason why it was so funny on that episode of The Office is because we all know this person. No one formally held an election to pick this person as the office party planner, but they just do it. They're the one who initiated it. They're the one who, they are the individual who comes up with the idea, schedules it, organizes everyone else. And guess what? There are those people in our relationships too. My husband, Brett, is like so good at organizing trips. Now, he might not initiate the idea, that's usually me, but if we're going to take a trip as a family or with other family members or with a bunch of couples, inevitably, Brett kind of steps in and he helps everyone figure out like what flight they should be on, what time they arrive, how they should you know handle their transportation from the airport to the hotel. He just does that. And because he does that, Everyone else kind of goes on autopilot. They're perfectly capable of doing these things themselves. They normally do these things themselves. But if Brett's going along for the ride, everyone just kind of expects that's his role. He's really good at it. So let's let him do it. But there was a time when Brett was like, I remember we were, in fact, on a trip to Park City. 
And it was just before we left with a big group of couples. And he said, you know what I don't want to be this weekend? I don't want to be the tour guide. I don't want to be the person who has to coordinate what time everyone needs dinner. I don't want everyone coming to me trying to figure out what their day should look like or how they're going to get from the airport to the hotel. Like, I don't want to be that person. You know, I could understand his frustration. And it's funny because I felt a little bit like I was looking in the mirror because sometimes I don't want to be the person who always initiates. But it helped me to hear him say that because I rely on him to do that. I'm capable, but I rely on him to do it because he's so freaking good at it and because he always steps up to do it. And by me telling him that, I realized, oh, I'm in the same situation. I'm annoyed that I'm the person who always puts this trip together or invites everybody, but it's what I do. I'm good at it and I like doing it. So why am I annoyed by the fact that people have basically respected the fact that that's my role, right? So anyways, we had that conversation. It helped him a lot. And then I also told him, remember, it's not your responsibility. So you don't have to do it. And if people ask you, you don't have to oblige. And the same is true for me. I don't have to put a girl's trip together. I don't have to invite. Maybe I have a friend or a couple of friends where I'm the one who does the initiating or the planning, but I don't have to. But it's the role that I've taken on for myself. And it's kind of, I kind of like it. And when I was thinking about this subject before preparing for this podcast today, I was thinking to myself, okay, so would it be nice if people actually called me and said, hey, let's do this, this, and this on this weekend in this state? And I dreamed about that happening. But then as I was thinking about it actually happening, I'm like, hmm. I don't know if I would actually like that because I like to pick the place. I like to pick the weekend. I like to pick the people. So, you know, maybe I'm being a hypocrite. Maybe I actually really like being the person who initiates because when you initiate, you get control and I like control. All right. So consider that. Ask yourself, is that what's going on for you? Do you actually like control? Have you always been stepping up to be the planner, the initiator? Do you really think that people don't love you as much as you love them? And are you basing that on the fact that they're not initiating? Because maybe they're not initiating because you always do. Hmm. Think about that for a moment because what I want to do now is share with you other common relationship traits that make one person feel like they're doing a lot more of the lifting, that they're carrying the burden of the friendship. And I'm going to go over all of these, but... In the back of your mind, I want you to pretend you're the other person, okay? Now, I know you can probably think of a friendship right now or a relationship right now where it's very unbalanced. You're doing most of the work. But I want you to pretend you're the other person. And I want you to pretend that you have to develop an argument for them, like a defense, if you will, okay? Because I'm going to go over these And as I do, I want you to just imagine that you're the other person and that you're developing a defense or your side of the story. So again, I want you to listen as if you're standing in their shoes. You want to minimize the number of poor decisions you make when it comes to your health. One thing that almost everyone needs to do is drink more water. It's something that I didn't do for many years, even as a health and fitness professional, I was surviving on a diet soda addiction. It was almost embarrassing. Like I would hide how much diet soda I was drinking, but I thought it was zero calories. And I literally considered that 
quote, clean eating because it was zero calories. And I also didn't like drinking water. It was a tough habit to break. And I'm not proud of the fact that I drank that much diet soda for so many years. But I am really proud of the fact that I broke the habit and developed a new one. Today, I can tell you that I, on average, have 75 ounces of water per day. And in order for me to develop a habit, I had to develop a system. Because the definition of a habit is something you don't even have to think about. You just do it naturally. You don't have to use self-will or determination. You don't have to force yourself to do it. You just do it. And because I didn't love water and because I could never remember how much water I was drinking, I developed a system. I call it the 131 hydration system. And you don't have to be part of the 131 movement to enjoy the system that's going to help you drink at a minimum 75 ounces of water a day. There's a story behind it, and I want to share it with you. So once you're done with this podcast, can you write this down for me? Or will you remember it? I bet you'll remember it. It's really, really easy. 131H2O. And I am so excited to be hearing from former diet soda addicts just like me who are now cured and doing something healthy for themselves every single day. That's 131H2O.com. Okay. So another very common dynamic that will make one person feel like they're carrying the burden is if you are the person who ends up paying for things, like all the time. It just almost feels like an expectation. You've also lent them money and time and labor and your car and half your wardrobe. You can start to feel a little used. Okay, now pause and think about what the other person's version of the story would sound like? Would they say that you're the first to grab the check? Would they tell you that you were the one who offered your car? Would they tell you, listen, I didn't even want that money. You basically told me I had to take that money from you. I didn't want to borrow money from you, but you basically insisted. And it wasn't my idea to wear that dress of yours. You basically forced it on me. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just suggesting that there's two sides to the story. A relationship can feel very unbalanced when it seems like one person is forever using you as a therapist. And there's something at all times going on in their life. Like there's always something. And it's not that they're making these things up, but it just feels like, you know, this is a a very one-sided relationship. This is a lot of work for me. And now you're thinking to yourself, there's no way they can deny the fact that it's always about them, that they always have an issue. Their life is always in a constant state of chaos. There's no way this person can deny it. So Shalene, I can't even imagine what it's like to be in their shoes because that's just a fact and there's no way they can deny it. What if this other person actually feels like that you never open up, that they're constantly being honest and vulnerable and sharing their true feelings and what's really going on in their life, and you don't reciprocate? What if they think it actually feels like you like the fact that this relationship allows you to wear the cape, like you're superwoman, and you get to fly in and save her? Listen, I'm not saying one way or the other is accurate or truth. I'm just suggesting that we each view our relationships from where we stand. Relationships can feel very unbalanced when you feel as though you have to walk on eggshells around this person. You have to carefully choose every word or they're going to have their feelings hurt. 
They're easily offended, hypersensitive. And meanwhile, they can get away with saying just about anything to you. And other people are able to say just about anything to this person. But when it comes to you, who is supposedly one of their closest friends, you have to like carefully monitor each and every word or risk the friendship. All right, now I'm just asking you, again, to put yourself in their shoes. How might they frame the situation or the dynamic? Might they say that you put them down or that you're hurtful, that you use words that are very direct and not very friendly, not very kind, not very sensitive? Might they think that you don't actually have a lot of empathy for their situation? Something to consider. And your relationship can feel very one-sided when in order for you guys to do anything together, it has to be like their way or the highway. You've got to go to their restaurant. You've got to spend time with the people who they like. You've got to do activities and meet at times and locations. That are, everything has to be perfect for them. You've got to go to their house. Like it's got to be their way or they want no part of it. What might that defense or their version of the story sound like? Maybe what they feel like is that the burden is on them to decide what you guys are going to do. Maybe they don't like the fact you basically look to them to come up with what you're going to do. You think that that's what you have to do in order to maintain the relationship, but maybe they feel like this is a burden they have to carry because it's always about them deciding what you're going to do. And maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And what about the friend who absolutely cannot, under any circumstances, see the error in their ways? In other words, They've never apologized. They don't know how to apologize. And it's always you reaching out to repair the relationship. Like when you're arguing or there's, you know, an uncomfortableness between the two of you, you know, it always feels like it's you that has to step up and say, I'm sorry, or patch things up. That can feel really one-sided. I do have to say, there are certain individuals who they just, they can't apologize. They don't know how. I personally have had many friends in my past who are great at apologizing and first to apologize. And I've had friends who those words are just so hard to come out of their mouth. And that's forced me to really look at what's behind that. Why is it some people simply can't bring themselves to say, you know what, you're right. I messed up and I'm sorry, without putting a but at the end of it. Well, one of the number one reasons why people have a difficult time apologizing is because even if they know their behaviors were wrong or that it led to a fallout or a misunderstanding or whatever, they have a really hard time separating their behavior or what went wrong from their character. In other words, if something went wrong because of something I did, then that means I'm wrong. That means I have poor character. And that's really a hard place for some people to be. They can't separate those two things. Some people don't like to apologize because they fear it's going to open up a floodgate and if they apologize for one thing, they're going to have to apologize for all things. And there are those people who they don't want to apologize because they feel like in doing so, they're saying they were the only person responsible. Where I find that when I apologize, I'm apologizing for my part. Like I have to frame it that way in my head. Any misunderstanding is often the result of two people's error, right? But I have to apologize and own and take responsibility for what I've done or what I didn't do or how it was interpreted. I have to apologize for my part. That doesn't mean that I'm excusing the other person for their behavior. And it doesn't mean I'm taking on the burden of the whole problem. 
I'm just apologizing for the part that I'm responsible for. And there's some people, they just can't do that because they feel like if if I apologize for any part of this, then I'm relieving the other person of any personal responsibility. There are also individuals who, well, to apologize would be a place of vulnerability, right? Like they're, they're no longer in control of the situation. And that's a scary thing to feel. I find that people who've had a lot of chaos in their life, especially in their childhood and had parents who were, you know, really unstable, it's really hard for those people to apologize because it places them in a position of subordinates. At least that's what it feels like to them. So rather than assuming that your friendship is unbalanced or that this person doesn't care about you as much as you care about them because they're not able to apologize, I guess I'm asking or suggesting that you think about some of these other factors that maybe they have a really hard time to just say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I really messed up. I don't want this to happen again. And by the way, if you're not good or comfortable with apologizing, you should get good at it because it feels great. It's an awful feeling like just before you say those words, but the second they come out of your mouth, like the world softens and people's hearts melt. And we can get back to where we were and learn how to apologize. Don't just say, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. Well, I'm sorry you took it that way. No, no, Miss Passive Aggressive, that is not an apology. That's being passive aggressive. When you say you're sorry, you own it. <laughs> oh, no, I sound like Lisa Run on Housewives. You own it, right? You, you just say, listen, I messed up. I'm sorry. Should have thought about what you're going through. And I didn't. Really bothers me to know that I've hurt you. Without adding an explanation or a, well, I, I'm sorry, but when you add up, well, listen, this happened, but it's partly your fault because, or I'm sorry, but when you do that, you negate the apology. Like, don't even bother apologizing if you're going to make an excuse for it. These are the most common dynamics between two people where one person's going to feel as though the relationship is unbalanced. So what do you do about it? If after listening to this and trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes, you still feel like there's no way to justify their actions or their lack of action, their lack of concern and care for the relationship, if you still feel that way, then you need to do something about it. Because allowing resentment to build up isn't fair to you and it's not fair to them. If your relationship involves more resentment and anxiety and frustration than it does peace, joy, happiness, and growth, then let it fade. Have you heard the term ghosting before? Ghosting as a term basically just means it's when somebody just kind of disappears. Originally, it was used in social media when you're posting it, but no one's like, no one can see your tweets or your posts. You exist, but no one's seeing it. So it's like you've just disappeared, even though you still exist or your profile still exists. I don't think you should step away from your friend to be passive aggressive because if you're doing that to get a reaction from them, like, oh, I will show them. I'm not going to text or call and we'll just see how she handles it when you know she doesn't hear from me for two months. Well, let's see how you handle it because you're probably not going to hear from this person because they're just not that person. They might really love you and love getting together with you and spending time with you, but they're just... That's just not who they are. That's not in their DNA. That's in your DNA. 
So the person who's probably going to get hurt in this situation is you. And then you're going to feel like, well, maybe they never cared about me as much as I thought they did anyways. Meanwhile, this other person might be thinking, that's so weird. She used to call all the time and now she's not calling at all. Hmm, oh, well, I guess I wasn't that important to her. You know, if this is really important to you and it bothers you, you should have an open, honest discussion about it. Explain what you would love and what you would like. And by the way, take responsibility for your own role. You need to step up and say, listen, I know I'm the one who normally plans our trip. Or I know that in the past, I'm the one who always grabs the check. Or I'm the one who I call you and I say, how was your day? You know, I'm the person who launches back into whatever the latest drama was in your life. And I'm the person who's guarded and I don't always share the negative things that happen during my day. But from time to time, I kind of wish you'd ask, you know, and I'm going to do a better job of opening up. In other words, rather than confronting someone, which is, by the way, what most blogs tell you to do, like, go confront the person. Yeah, go get a pitchfork and light the hay on fire and, and get the townsmen to follow you to confront this person. Like, no, no, that, that's not helpful or useful. It just makes people defensive. And nobody's ever opened up and said, you know what? You're right. I'm a lousy friend. You're a great friend. You're perfect when they're being confronted. No, we get defensive. So it needs to be an open, casual conversation where you take responsibility for the things that you've done to teach this person how to treat you. So that's it. That's all that I have for you today. I know it's a lot to think about. I know it's a lot to chew on. And by the way, I do think there are relationships that are completely one-sided and it's important to you and it's not important to them. In which case, you know, was it really a relationship anyways? Maybe not. We get too wrapped up in believing our relationship with someone else defines who we are. That if this person doesn't respond to us the way they do other people, well, then therefore we must not be important. We must not be as relevant or as good at whatever. There's only one person who matters and their opinion matters the most and that's yours. I mean, you know, if you're a good person, it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't do you any good to define who you are through the relationships that you have, your behavior, your integrity, your character. Those are the things that define who you are. The number of friends you have and how quickly somebody responds back to a text message or how often they initiate plans has nothing to do with how freaking awesome you are. So don't ever forget it. You are the bomb.com.